0: We're talking about a fallen angel, meaning this person whom we perceived as having all those qualities suddenly falls off and becomes the personification of evil, which is Satan.
1: Right. And that's the lesson for everyone, in a way. It's a really a parable, in a sense, because what that suggests is even the best of us can fall off our humanity into evil sort of thoughts and actions, given the the right circumstances. Mm.
0: You are listening to The Sill with Peter Noce and Harry Posner. Come
1: on in, have a seat.
0: Join the conversation. Good morning, Harry. How are you? Good morning, Peter. I'm well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Is the weather bad out there?
1: It's not too bad. It's cold and windy. It looks like we're getting all of our winter squeezed into February, so that's about it.
0: Okay. The weather's bad, but it's not evil. (laughs)
1: Depends on your point of view, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, so that's what we're talking about today, the evolution of evil. And I think it's often overused in terms of describing situations, but that's just my opinion. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, let me just first of all ask you, when you say that you think probably it's overused, what's the issue with it being overused? So what?
0: Well, because like a lot of words, they're used to describe something. And when I hear the word evil, it portends something extreme. What I would classify as bad, you say perhaps classify it as evil. So now we have a different definition in terms of what we're describing. So things take on a different level of importance that you would normally give to if it was being used more sporadically or to emphasize extreme situations versus day-to-day events.
1: So how would you kind of define what evil is?
0: Well, whenever I hear that word, I have to say, and I don't know if it's because I'm Roman Catholic and I was raised in the Roman Catholic tradition, even though I'm not a practicing Roman Catholic at all. The word evil always brings me back to religion. So satanic evil demons, all this medieval stuff that connects me back to the papacy and the church and all the things that I heard as a young kid from nuns and priests and so on. So it has this religious connotation. I never thought of it in any other way other than that until probably my teens and later when I started seeing movies, horror movies and things like this, where I now also brought the word into that particular realm. But prior to that, and even to this day, actually, to some extent, I still think of the word evil in conjunction with that religiosity, that distinction of things, where Mm -hmm. evil connotes something really, really terrible that you can't rehabilitate, you have to eradicate.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to think of that word other than in a religious context, in a way. I think you pointed out to me the other day when we were talking that this word evil, in its extreme sense, really only gained access to our vocabulary in that way in the 19th century, which is very interesting when you think about it, because the word comes from a Germanic root, evil or evil, meaning wrong or defective. Mm -hmm. So not so much immoral or unethical, but sick, (laughs) in error. So the definition of evil kind of has shifted in a way over the centuries. And I would argue that yes, evil is likely connected more profoundly to religious thought, but the whole idea of morality and ethics, which predates that, really comes out of our early sense of community, of spirituality and
0: godliness
1: or goodness, and that there's been an evolution in a way to a different understanding of what evil is today.
0: And there's apparently two main types of evil. There's what they call moral evil, which has to do with willful acts of human beings like murder, rape, and so on. And then there's so-called natural evil, which refers to natural disasters. So sometimes when we encounter these situations, famines, floods, conflagrations, they're so horrible and the effect on humanity is so bad, lives taken, damage, and so on, that we attribute the word evil to it even though it has no human connection. something, again, I go back to the religious thing, epic proportions, where the gods uh, come down on us with rain and fire, same idea. So the word evil is not only about the human condition, it's also about the condition of the universe and the world. And you have these physical evils and metaphysical evils too. This is another division where it's said that there's bodily pain And mental anguish, like fear, illness, grief, that kind of thing. And then there's the metaphysical evil, which refers to things like imperfections, criminals that aren't punished, or deformities and so on.
1: And to simplify matters, you could say that evil doesn't exist in itself except in relationship to what we understand as being good, or godliness, if you like, because to say something is bad or evil, it's always in relation to what we think should be the right way of living or acting. And for communities, both past and present, that notion of wrongdoing or acting outside the codes of conduct that the community recognize as good has always been uh, problematic and dealt with uniquely to their time. So in times past, you might have beheadings, that sort of thing, or drawing and quartering. In these times, now you have uh, courts and jails and prison sentences, and in some cases, electric chair as justice for these things. But the need for some sort of agreement as to what is good and what is bad for the individual and for society has always been there in one form or another.
0: When we talk about it from a human perspective, isn't it really about anything that causes us harm or causes us to move in a negative direction that it's taking something away, hurting us. Everybody understands what evil is, but we, I think, sometimes confuse it with bad. Sometimes that word is thrown out a little bit too often in terms of what's actually happening. Now, there are things that are fairly obvious. So, for example, most people would agree that when we talk about the camps during the war, i.e. Auschwitz, Dachau, and so on, that almost everyone would agree is considered evil, Because the level, the atrocity is so severe that it's beyond human comprehension in many cases.
1: Well, even if it weren't so severe or in such numbers, even if it were like 20 people who were killed in that manner, it would still be considered evil in a way. But here's the other sort of nuance to this is that there's a British thinker named Terry Eagleton who talks about the difference between kind of random evil action and instrumental evil And he is suggesting that instrumental evil is somewhat less severe than random evil. So if you have a philosophy, an ideology, a purpose behind these evil actions, these terrible actions, that's not quite as evil as someone going out and randomly killing people because they can. Ah. So you can say that evil lies on a spectrum from tiny bits of badness like little white lies to save your spouse from being emotionally upset to cheating on an exam at university, to stealing money from your employer's business, to assaulting people, to killing people, to Holocaust. There's a whole spectrum there that we have to understand.
0: Okay, so then, for example, in a mass killing, the person who's doing the mass killing in this particular definition or this situation that you just described, this person would be considered more evil than a Hitler or a Stalin— whose evil came out of their bigger plan.
1: In a sense, yeah, because the randomness of it is that there's no intention, there's no thoughtfulness behind it, there's no reason to it, if you like. It's unreasonable acts of destruction, whereas instrumental is more there are purposes, there are ideologies behind it, there's a structure within which these actions are unfolding. Uh, not that they're any cause for celebration because they're less evil than the other. They're pretty close, I would have to say, <laughs> in terms of severity.
0: And you discovered it and you passed it on to me to get my opinion, this fellow Peter Singer. Oh, yeah. Who presented the situation. I found very intriguing and I could really wrap my thoughts around it because he talked about evil not in terms of, these flagrant, obvious situations where it's just a horrific scenery and you're seeing these images of brutality. But he talks about evil more from the perspective of failing to take action on things that we know are hurting people or that we are endeavoring to enrich ourselves at the expense of others. To me, this was a more interesting aspect of evil because I think sometimes people who use that term excessively it's almost like a deflection of sorts because it doesn't just describe the situations. It's also describing how you are looking at yourself in your own life, I think sometimes, because this fellow Peter Singer, he describes evil even as something as innocuous as you failing to donate money to a worthy cause. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: When you have the money and you have far more than you need, and yet you continue to hold on and build on that rather than give to those around you who are more needy.
1: Yeah, he's saying that as a human being, we have an obligation to our fellow humanity. And if there is suffering that we can in any way alleviate with a bit of our own resources, then we are obliged to. Not that we are recommended to, we are obliged to. We have a moral, ethical obligation to help uh, alleviate poverty, to step in when someone is being attacked in the street or what have you. And the omission of that, the sin of omission, is actually an element of evil, if you like, of badness. And he's saying that in that sense, most of us on this planet, when we look at ourselves, would have to say we are bad (laughs) or evil in a certain respect for not acting when we could
0: So, what I found of particular interest in that video, because it was on YouTube, and they had made a note underneath the video saying they had removed the comment section because some of the feedback on that observation was so severe. People were angry that he would even suggest that they might be considered evil because they weren't helping others.
1: Which is strange in a way, Peter, when you think about it, because... What is the main precept of Christianity, for example, is that we are born in sin. We are born sinners. So for people, to, for people to be upset, that to be told, you know you are a sinner actually, because you're not sharing your wealth or your luxury money to help people who are in deep need, it shouldn't be such a surprise, I would think, to people like that. So maybe they're coming from it from a different angle. And that's why they're upset. I'm not really sure why the strong response to that statement.
0: Yeah, well, I can see it because sometimes you respond not because you're necessarily against the idea, but because it draws attention to you. It makes you feel guilty. It's more of a perception thing, not necessarily an actual thing. Whatever we perceive is really what we see. hmm Yeah. Which, just extending from that whole perception idea, you and I talked about the fallen angel that originally, again, going back to the religious aspect, the fallen angel. When we think of an angel, we think of almost a flawless entity. They're good, they're kind, they help people and so on. And here in this particular instance, we're talking about a fallen angel, meaning this person whom we perceived as having all those qualities suddenly falls off and becomes the personification of evil, which is Satan.
1: Right. And that's the lesson for everyone in a way. It's really a parable in a sense, because what that suggests is even the best of us can fall off our humanity into evil sort of thoughts and actions given the, the right circumstances. In fact, I saw a video the other day about uh, that uh, prison camp, I think it was Abu Ghraib, where these prisoners of war put into this camp. And the people who are sort of policing the camp degraded the prisoners, stripped them naked and made them do terrible things. And the question is, why? Why would otherwise decent, upstanding soldiers degrade like that into acts of evil? And the answer was that it was the context of the prison, the way it was organized by the authorities, the attitude towards the prisoners that was promulgated through the war, etc., etc. And so it's not so much the individual themselves that falls into evil, but the context falls into kind of an evil context, and then good people can be tainted and become bad and do bad acts in that context.
0: Sounds very much like some of the police forces that were indoctrinated During the Second World War in various countries that the Germans invaded Poland, Hungary, and so on, Mm -hmm. where normal law-abiding citizens became these prison guards who did excessive things under the governing bodies of the Third Reich, whereby these people did things that would normally not have been something that they would have done Mm -hmm. because of the conditions and the circumstances that existed
1: Yeah, and if you can maintain a level of propaganda with the population for a long enough period, the population will become indoctrinated to that ideology and find the actions connected to it as being acceptable, even though they could be very distasteful and result in injury and death. So there's no telling what human beings can do under the right circumstances. That's the sad truth of it.
0: Hitler, I've just got to say, Hitler, you couldn't make him up. He is the worst human being to ever walk the face of the Earth. He's a crazy, evil, racist, narcissistic serial killer. Just terrible. But... (laughs) If I was throwing a dinner party, and I'd been slaving all day over a hot stove, right, and I was getting everything ready, right, and there was one place left, and I had to either invite Hitler or that little girl with food allergies. I know it would ruin that party more. Do you know what I mean? In our daily lives, our attraction to crime stories, mm-hmm. to horror movies, almost an obsession with anything related to crime or brutality. Why are we so curious all the time?
1: Well, I think from my point of view, it's that the propaganda goes both ways. You can have propaganda that produces badness or evil, but you can also have propaganda that is designed to cage the human being such that they can't go there, such that they have to think good thoughts and be angelic in their actions at all times. And I think people rebel against that thought form. Think about the 1950s when rebelling was the thing you did if you were a teenager and you wore a leather jacket and you rode a motorcycle and you were a bad boy. But it was just a rebellion against being told what you have to be and how you must think at all times. So I think the fascination with horror and crime comes kind of out of that area where people who think they would not normally do such a thing are fascinated with people who do and who give themselves permission to break the rules and go beyond the accepted community codes of conduct. So I think there's that.
0: Which sort of connects with films, as we observe today. There are more and more films that sort of invite empathy for the bad guy, as you were talking about. There's a certain connection to, as you say, opposing authority. Mm -hmm. And the bad guy, i.e., represents that opposition.
1: Yeah. And also, this emphasis on uh, the empathy for the bad guy in movies, etc., kind of goes back to the original definition of evil, that it's more about being wrong and defective and in error or illness than it is in vicious, kind of malicious sort of human nature. So, in a sense, the circle is closing itself, if you like. The snake is biting its own tail. It's circling back to the original definition in a very interesting way, which tells us too that our thoughts about human nature, good and evil, have become more subtle, more nuanced, actually, as we have evolved. So, for example, in the past, you're talking people like Ivan the Terrible, Attila the Hun, Hitler, Stalin, Idi Amin, seriously badass people. But now, when people talk about evil, they talk about Anthony Fauci. Donald Trump, Klaus Schwab, the WEF, these are not outwardly violent people killing people in the streets or in camps, but their ideas are being touted as evil. Hmm. So it's more nuanced. It's not outward violence. It's more inward ideational violence.
0: So would you classify these people that you just mentioned as a personal or societal situation?
1: I would say societal when people talk about the WEF, they're talking about a bunch of globalist elites, rich sons of bitches who fly to Switzerland every year in their jets and they waffle on about climate change and influencing how people create and live in societies and they're going to eat bugs and you're not going to own any money, but you're going to be happy and this is the future and we're planning the future. People have labeled the WEF as a kind of an evil grouping, and it's more about their ideas than it is about the actual execution of them, in a way. And the WEF is quite open in terms of their plans and their thoughts and their ideas, which is very interesting. They're not covert in that sense. So, they're an easy target for people to call evil.
0: So, to me, there's a situation where I don't know that I would use the word evil, even though I would understand if someone said that to me. In these particular situations, evil is a word that accentuates and expresses the total frustration that people have with the inability to change things. Yeah. So when you talk about these situations or these organizations, you almost say the word evil because you're just so flustered that you can't do anything to change it directly. So you label it at the highest level possible to elicit an emotional response Mm -hmm. that hopefully will garner attention and gather people together to oppose these types of people or situations.
1: Yeah, the problem with that, unfortunately, is that the more a word is used, the less people actually respond to it in that emotional way that you're talking about. People get used to it, and it's just another catchphrase, catchword, that people will throw out, like conspiracy theorist, for example. (laughs) People don't take that seriously anymore because it's been used so much that it's laughable. And unfortunately, that word evil can be considered laughable by a lot of people. When you call Anthony Fauci evil you may think, well, that's kind of a ridiculous thing. He's just this one guy, and he's made these decisions as the health guru in the U.S. during the COVID pandemic, yada, yada, yada. How can he be considered evil? Don't be ridiculous. But millions of people consider him evil because the results of his pronouncements, in their view, resulted in thousands upon thousands of people dying, whether from the jab, the side effects of the jab, or from loneliness and depression because of lockdowns, losing their jobs, all that stuff, all funnels back to Anthony Fauci as the evil guru of their demise. So I find it fascinating that it's used in that way, but millions of people have used that word in that way in regards to Anthony Fauci.
0: Which goes back to the initial question you asked me at the beginning of the podcast as to differentiating between bad and evil and how that word is used so frequently that at times it loses its impact. Mm
1: -hmm. What's interesting too, in that regard is that we talked about the empathy for the bad guy in Hollywood. We don't seem to have that same empathy for Anthony Fauci say, or (laughs) Klaus Schwab. We don't think of them as flawed angels, fallen angels. We don't think of them as ill or in error and therefore targets for our compassion. And how can we help these people get through their illness, etc. So it's very strange that Hollywood is trying to do this thing of getting empathy for the bad guy, but we don't translate that into our daily life and our daily thinking about the world and the people in the real world.
0: Because I think that the bad guy that's portrayed in the movies often comes from a very low point and then rises to power or badness, if you will, due to circumstances. In other words, he starts out as sort of or she starts out as an innocent, perhaps in abject poverty, perhaps in a social situation where they're completely oppressed and have no power, and then they grab power by becoming the so-called badass. So people like Fauci, for example, are not perceived that way. They're perceived as having been comfortable all their lives, not coming from a point of weakness, and using their authority or their position to do things that are perceived as evil. So, for example, it's classic situation of white-collar crime versus street crime. Again, the frustration because you're hiding behind the veil of so-called goodness or privilege or authority.
1: Well, right. I mean, in more sophisticated Western societies, these kinds of white-collar crimes make sense in a way if it's about money and power. But when you talk about Attila the Hun and Hitler and Stalin, Idi Amin and other kinds of serious sort of monsters, if you like— it's more about a philosophy, ideology, land grab or or what have you than it is about exercising the strings of power and finance and money. Evil has become, as you say, more hidden in a way, more subtle because it's not as overt. It doesn't have to be as overt. You can't, in fact, go out and kill dozens and dozens of people on behalf of a certain ideology. You're going to get thrown in jail, period. That's it. Throw away the key. But you can do that kind of thing subtly in the corporate world and make a lot of people suffer as you gain, but not be recognized as evil as easily as the old boys, Ivan the Terrible, Attila the Hun, etc.
0: If you adopt the thinking that white-collar crime, for example, is not as bad as, i.e., Attila the Hun, overt destruction, you can go into a zone of, well, it doesn't really matter, or it's not as bad. Even though you may be affecting a far greater percentage of the population Mm -hmm. or the global scene. So you can continue to rest at home, watch your TV, go on about your daily life saying that, well, white collar crime, yeah, they're jerks, but really it's not affecting me and no one's getting shot in the streets and no one's getting bludgeoned. So I don't really have to do too much about it.
1: Yeah. See, if Singer and his proposition were taken seriously by people, then we would be less inclined to criticize those people in the corporate world doing what you said that they do and more inclined to take responsibility ourselves as individuals in the world. I think there'll be less name-calling, less use of that word evil so readily by people if they recognize the badness in themselves. If they took that Christian precept, we are born in sin, seriously. We'd have to say, by comparison, I'm not very angelic either. So what's that, casting the first stone? Or he was innocent, cast the first stone? There is that. So maybe we have to back off on using the word evil so readily. Maybe we have to be more introspective about our own breach of ethics every now and then.
0: Yeah, to me, Singer's reasoning I wouldn't necessarily classify it as evil, but I'm glad that he made that sort of analysis because it it at least brings you in. It draws attention to something that's actually happening. So you're kind of moving back towards center. Sometimes to fix a problem, you can overcorrect. So if you have a real frustration with the things as they are, you might counter it with something which is equally excessive in the other direction. So you might say, i.e., in this case with Peter Singer where he suggests that someone who is not responsible or taking care of someone in need due to their own greed is classified as evil. I think that's a bit extreme, but maybe that's where it needs to go in order for you to pay attention to something and go, hey, you know what, I've got to get off my high horse and take responsibility for my own stuff. Is it that far removed from what I do in my daily life or what I've done in the past?
1: Yeah, I think in order to do that, I think you have to try to examine what it means to be a human being and who you are as a human being in the world and what your place in it is and consequently what your obligations are to those around you, whether it's the poor or the disenfranchised or whoever. The fact is people go out in the streets and they protest and they do this and they do that but at a personal level they'll go home and watch the super bowl while people are starving overseas in africa or what have you we seem to be able to allow for that to happen and so singer is saying no 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 no, you can't do that if there is something called evil in the world or badness in the world we all have to own it at some level and the good guys and the bad guys, it's not us good guys versus the evil bastards in the W.E.F. We're also evil bastards to a certain degree, and we have to understand that. And that would change our attitude towards the idea of evil in general, and maybe go back to that original definition of being wrong or defective.
0: Exactly. Being accountable and taking responsibility and know that not only could you be that person or be in that situation, but understand that we also often contribute to the circumstances and the societal agreements that we make explicit or implied that create the situations where that can actually develop and rise. So white collar crime, all these things that we are opposed to We also have to acknowledge that we have, in some ways, contributed to these systems by our choices, by our lifestyles, sense of insufficiency, of always wanting more and always going to that point where we sort of invite the development of these things. Because, like you say, we're human beings and we function on a very base and raw level under adverse conditions. And maybe we close on this note Mm -hmm. It's the differentiation of the terms that we use to describe things.
1: Yeah, maybe we should just be a bit more circumspect in the use of the word evil and the use of many words that we throw out too easily in a way. We should think about what we're saying and the depth of it and what kind of repercussions there could be if we spread these kinds of words and ideas around without really thinking about them. So let's be thoughtful in our responses to the world. Let's be aware of our own accountability and find a balanced approach to living in the world and other human beings. I think we'd all be better off for it.
0: Sure. More thoughtful, less sensationalistic.
1: Yeah. And maybe we should finish with, uh, because we don't have copyright, (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should finish with a rendition of Evil Woman. Wasn't that E-L-O?
0: It was. Electric Light Orchestra, Evil Woman. And it's funny how uh, even that, uh, one man's evil, is another man's pleasure.
1: Yeah, there you go. Ciao, Harry. Ciao, Peter.
0: The Sill is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com
1: Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.